Hey team, welcome to another episode of the Intentional Agribusiness Leader Podcast. The podcast where we actually explore the minds of leaders from all around the agriculture and agribusiness space about what it takes to lead intentionally in this industry today. My friends, if there's some value in here for you today, we ask you to subscribe to the podcast, share this with someone who needs to hear the message of what it takes to be intentional. Let's get into the show. All right. Well, Colin, I am super excited to have you on this podcast uh, in the, in this episode. I think it's going to, I know you uh, very well, and I know that you're, you've got a wealth of experience and knowledge to pull from. So um Everybody listening in, buckle up and and get ready. We've got we've got Colin Steen from Legacy Agri Partners in the house here the, uh, today. So, uh, Colin, I'm I'm uh, I'm going to open up with the first question. Uh, same thing I do with everybody. Okay, what does it mean for you to be intentional? Boy, you know, I think it's it's I I, I love the question. I love the because you and I have had this discussion a lot. Um, and for me, right now, my intentionality or being intentional is all around um it's it's literally all around you know trying to clear up ambiguity how can i help people each and every day remove a little bit of ambiguity bring some clarity to what they're doing in their lives each and every day right and so for me and and i thank you for this because you've helped get me there is you know i always think you know whether i'm talking to a customer that's confused about where the markets are going and what to do, what technologies to take advantage of, or whether I'm talking to an employee about their future in the organization, whether I'm talking to my kids at home about, you know, what are they, you know, are we going to make the varsity hockey team or the soccer team and all this stuff, right? You know, hopefully my hope is that my being intentional is removing some ambiguity removing some lack of clarity that they might have in their life. And as a result, give them a chance to succeed, right? And so help them get the answer on their own, but just take away a little bit of the ambiguity at the same time, right? So you, you, we can't lead them all the way to the trough sometimes and force them to drink, but, you know, get them partway there and then kind of, you know, especially with our kids, right? You know, you want to you wanna be intentional on that um, and, and, and get them on the right path, but help them find their way as well. But just remove a little bit of that ambiguity along the way in order to help them, you know, get there easier themselves, right? We, it, this journey doesn't have to be like arduous. It, we, we can make it a little bit easy. If I have the power to help, why wouldn't I? Yeah. Well, and, and I think so many of us, whether it's going through the day, just the, just the normal work day or, or, you know, even sometimes our time, with our with our families like we get sort of lost in the rush of things right or we get lost in the acquisition of new information we get lost in our decision making processes right and so do i adopt this new technology do we do we go with a new type of seed do we um you know what's the right thing to focus on and you know some of the leaders that i've talked to on this podcast so far have talked about the need to focus on the right things but what you're talking about you know solving for ambiguity here is really like well what are the right things how do i figure out what the right things are you know (laughs) and you know like i certainly you know i I, that's exactly right you know what are the right things and so for me especially in my work life um you know i I'm a big, strong believer that the farmer is the center of everything we do, right? So at Legacy Agri Partners, you know, this comes from growing up on a grain and cattle farm myself and all those things. And so I, you know, I find if I'm ever like have some lack of clarity myself about what the future looks like or what should I do or should I align with this company or, or this person or take the advice of somebody else, you know, it's like, are, are they coming at me from the standpoint of the farmer being a farmer centric universe? Right. And I, I think a lot of people talk about that um, and some are really good at doing it and some, maybe it's just words and, you know, I'm still learning and getting there myself, but I always find like, if I keep the farmer as my North star, stay grounded to that, that helps me when I'm talking to people, you know, that helps sort of, again, be the anchor point to remove some ambiguity, right? And, and lead us to the right answer. Even though we don't know what it might be, it's like, okay, 
you know, we've got choice A, we've got choice B for new technology. Okay, which one does is going to help the farmer out more? Which one is what they need, right? I, choice B might be more profitable for us, but choice A is a better choice for the farmer and their operation. So let's go with choice A. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, I mean, really you're talking, I, lo- I love the use of the word North Star, right? Because that really shows us, hey, this is this is where the compass points. This is where we're going, regardless of all the other factors, right? This is, you know, we're, we're going to focus our intention on, on doing what's right for the ultimate customer and, and solving for that. So I love, I love that take and it's super important. You know, one of the challenges, Colin, that I know comes up with a lot of my customers um, and I'm really interested in how you've solved for this or how you've approached this over the years, because you've had a storied history with Syngenta, you know, running the Golden Harvest brand for some time, <clears throat> being on the, you know, running the mergers and acquisitions for Syngenta uh, before yeah. Yeah. Uh, before you moved over to um, to, to Legacy and, and um, became the CEO there. So you've been in the seed industry for a long time. This has been the primary, you know. Uh, right, yep. <laughs> <laughs> so um, I see a lot of people that really struggle in that conversation with the farmer, where the farmer sort of dominates their life. I'm at the beck and call of the farmer. Okay. Yep. To the to the point where the maybe and, and this is like where where we have to solve for that ambiguity for you know for that salesperson or for that sales manager. Uh, for and I'm, and I'm speaking specifically to those you know VPs of sales and, and and sales managers and sales leaders that are leading your teams. How do you, how do you help your people just not be so dominated? I guess is the word by the customer because it's it's like whenever the customer needs something, whenever the customer calls, the customer is ultimately you know the end thing. So you know, that's the helping them is the end goal. And then, but sometimes I actually sacrifice my integrity for myself in that equation, right? And this yeah. is why we, we get a lot of burned out salespeople, a lot of frustrated salespeople that come through our programs and we have to help them solve for that. So I'm yeah. just curious on your take, like what, how do, how do we keep the customer, your farmer, the North Star and in, in, in be intentional, but also be intentional towards our people? Yeah, boy, that's a, that's a handful. Uh, <laughs> and yeah. it's really, it's a great question. You know, and I, so I, for me, you know, the big thing is listening, right? You know, and this is, again, you know, I, 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 when I really, when I travel with our sales reps or managers or talk to our folks, like, okay, what is the customer really telling us, right? What are they really telling us? Because mm-hmm. the customer isn't always right. You know, it's okay. You know, if, if, if the customer is saying the only thing that matters to me is buying soybeans for $32 a bag. And, and then we ask all the questions and we listen to what they're really telling us. And it turns out they're right you know, then it's okay for us to release ourselves from that conversation and say, hey, look, this, you, you and I can still hang out and see each other at church on Sunday, but I'm not your soybean salesman. It's okay. And it's going to be okay. And there'll be somebody else down the road that will see value in what we do. If, if all we do is just continually, like, you know, if, if that sales rep comes out of that conversation and calls me up and says, Colin, we got to be at 32 bucks for soybeans. How are we going to do it? It's like, I, we can't solve for that equation, you know, and, and I'll walk them through, Hey, it costs us $14 to grow them. It costs us another 10 bucks for traits and another this for trucking. And then I got your salary, my salary, everything else can't get there. You know, mm-hmm. we're not mm-hmm. running a nonprofit. Right. But, you know, if I listen to that farmer and, and what they really want is, you know, um, what, where they're really at is in some sort of, they're not making enough money, their profitability is low. Well, maybe then I can say, hey, I've got a non-GMO food grade soybean. Takes a little more effort to grow, but pays a buck fifty a bushel premium. So would that be something you're interested in, right? So again, take the time to listen and then it's okay to release yourself, right? You can help, you can help them find their way, you know, and, and you know, we, I, I did this with, with an employee not long ago that was looking at other opportunities, you know, it's like, Hey, if you're going to look, here's a couple of questions I would ask this person that's asking you to come work for their company. Right. I, you know, if, if you're going to, if we're going to release ourselves from a conversation with a farmer about cheap soybeans, we'll keep beating this example to death. Right. You know, it's like, Hey, maybe you want to go talk to so-and-so, right. I've heard they might be able to help. If, if that's all that you're after, then, you know, 
perhaps they can help. Uh, and then, then you leave on good terms and, and, you know, you release yourself from the conversation, you go on to fight another battle. Right. But yeah, the sales folks, guys and girls, they, they hate, we all hate it. Right. Walking on a farm and seeing a 5,000 acre opportunity and not be able to do one thing about it and, and not have an offer, but it's okay. Like there's lots of guys out there and lots of farmers out there that are, are willing to help and, you know, we'll grow. And I, I think just, again, helping them understand I, I'm a big data person, right? Like, you know, okay, how many farmers do you have in your county? How many farmers in the area? You know, there's still lots of opportunities, still lots of people to go talk to and, and you know, we'll make it work. But you got to have a plan and you got to be intentional with your questions and, and intentional with your plan. Wonderful, wonderful answer to that. So you, you started to allude to it just a little bit in here. So having that conversation with um, with an employee who maybe is struggling in those relationships, struggling to get some traction, the grass is greener on the other side. Uh, most of the organizations that we're talking to um, are struggling to attract and retain good talent. So just curious what you guys are doing at Legacy to uh, to do, to, you know, to solve for that. Yeah, it, it's it's a great question. And, and, you know, it's not lost on me. Like Legacy Agri Partners, if we're firing on all cylinders, we are hiring in AAA talent. If I'm going to use a baseball analogy, right? We're hiring in AAA talent and hopefully developing them for the major leagues. Um, you know, the, the likelihood of me hiring in major league talent, you know, comes A with the major league salary and major league expectations and all those things, right? So the best thing I can do and we like to do is bring in AAA talent, right? That or even double A talent that then we can start to say, here's how, here's our vision. Here's what we believe in. Again, farmers that are a star, we believe in farmer profitability is the key thing. We're talking a lot about regenerative agriculture. We don't complicate it a lot. Like the message isn't overly complicated. We're not, we're not trying to, Hey, if you, if you're logging into, you know, climate field view every morning and then this weather app and this thing and this thing, and then you'll be able to come up with a magic formula at the other side. It, we're try to keep it simple, try to keep our message relatable to folks. And, and we're also working a lot with our managers and our leaders in the organization just to have these conversations, be able to reward people on the spot for a job well done. So if I see you doing something right and you're putting effort, we call it the, the ABCD award above and beyond the call of duty, you know, we can spot bonus you 2000 bucks right on the spot. Right. And just, you know, just right away without my approval, without anybody's approval, just say, look, I love what you're doing here. Uh, your next paycheck will reflect that. So again, you know, and we're going to lose our triple a talent that we develop into major leaguers and, and good luck and God bless them. We, we hope they have a great impact on future organizations. Right. You know, I, We've got people in our company right now that I know will go on to do great things at other companies, and I can't wait to see that. Uh, mm -hmm. And I know we're we're purposely a stepping stool along the way to that next great thing for them, and that's 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 fine. I know. I think if you know your place and where you fall in the whole scheme of things, it helps a little bit. But yeah, uh, yeah. But in, in I mean, what I love about this is like the the intention is knowing where you're at. Right. Like yep. I'm a small organization. I'm not, I probably can't afford a $150,000 a year COO. Yeah, exactly. But maybe I can afford a, you know, a $75,000 a year, like really good assistant or, or team member who can hand, who can solve for a lot of the things that I can't solve for. That's where I'm at. And that's where, you know, as a small company, small business, that's where we're at. Um, and I, you know, we, we <laughs> I took the kids the other night to the Durham Bulls. Uh, you know, playing yeah. the the Memphis Redbirds, uh, you know, here in um, in in Durham, North Carolina, and uh, there's some pretty damn good AAA players. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, yeah. so yeah. it's it's not like we're we're not degrading, right? That's just no. where they're at in their journey. They're all good enough technically to play yeah. pro ball. It's just is, does the opportunity arise and is it there? And and you know that's the nature of the organization. So being intentional and, and knowing really what we're about. Yeah, no, absolutely. Absolutely. And I, you know, I think, uh, you know, I, I'd love to have like the former president of Syngenta North America on our team, but I can't like, there, like there's just no chance, right? Like it's, like, yeah. you know, it, it, like it just doesn't. So let's, let's think more realistically about somebody that's 
ready to break through talent wise into the into the next level of their career how can i help get that person there and then then when they you know i think it's you know even if it's not with legacy agri partners it's satisfying to know that that they're going to make a difference somewhere in their career and i think the final piece we did again for a small company we're 60 people um we just started this uh lap in the spring was a succession planning so Again, big companies do this extremely well, right? You know, it's like, okay, Colin, who, you get hit by the beer truck in the morning, who's taking your spot, right? Right, right. You know, but small companies, we tend to just, you know, a little more sort of, well, shoot, I didn't realize so-and-so was going to quit, um, you know, who's up next, right? And so now we're, and I think it's important for the people in the organization to know, hey, you, we see you as a future leader, uh, and, you know, and it gives them one more reason to stay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and, and I mean, really identifying where, what is the bench strength? Who, who, who's on the bench? Yeah. You know, where are their strengths? Where else can they play on the team? Are they versatile? Can they do other things? Can we put them in another role for a year or two to develop their skill sets in that arena? And, and, and I think, you know, the important thing is giving, you know, helping them understand the vision for what you're creating as the leader this is what we're creating with this business. This is where we're going. And then, you know, Hey, this is a part on the team. I need somebody to play this role. Can I get you to do that for a couple of years? Exactly. Right? Knowing that, Hey, you know, this may be not the forever thing. And then, yeah. you know, I think a lot of employers hang on to their people. Like they think, you know, it's still 1970 and people do this job forever. Yeah. yeah. Right. Exactly. <laughs> like, yeah. let's be honest. Nobody, nobody's a lifer anymore. Right. Very few people. There may be some yeah. boomers that are hanging on in their last five years. Right. That are finishing yeah. out their, their life term with a company. But, um, you know, nobody's a lifer. And I used to tell, you know, my team, I said, you know, I said, listen, nobody's going to be here forever, but help me make this the best place for you, you know, for the next five years. Yeah, exactly. Right? And let's exactly. go do that together. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. All right. So I, I want to transition a little bit, Colin, and talk about you know what's going on in the seed industry. Uh, I think a lot. There's a lot of talk about this. It's a very exciting time, I believe, in in agriculture. With uh, and you alluded to this a bit ago with with the advance uh, the advancing of seed technology, regenerative ag, all this yeah. stuff kind of coming together. And and you've been in kind of behind the scenes, you know, being in the venture capital side of things, being able to look at that side of the industry. Uh, so I want to I want to spend some intentional time, kind of picking your brain about what what are you seeing. Let's say if we look out over, I think even the next five to ten years could be somewhat revolutionary. So talk to us a little bit about that. I want to come back to the end, like how do we lead businesses to be uh, open to that, but give us a little bit of a preview. What are you seeing in the business side, the startup side, the venture capital side? That's really interesting. Yeah. Well, that's a boy, a lot to uh, unpack with that one, uh, one question. Certainly. Yeah. It's, you know, agriculture is really exciting. Um, We're, we're, you know, I think we're at a precipice again of a whole bunch of change happening at once. Um, you know, whether it's autonomous or gene editing, um, there, there continues to be, you know, the, the power of AI, right? We're starting to see really good algorithms be built onto spray, you know, for nozzles on sprayers that can tell green on green differentiation between weeds and crop, you know, green on brown, which is a lot easier, you know, between weed, weeds and bare dirt. Um, and so, you know, Things like being able to reduce the amount of pesticides we spray by half or two thirds because of this sea and spray technology from companies like Green Eye and others that are just so good at the AI, the power of AI, you know, it's overused, right? We You hear it all the time on CNBC and read it in the papers, but it, it really is starting to transform some of these companies who had the vision a long time ago, but now just the computing power is allowing them to just do so much more so their their timeline to, to products in the field is advancing quickly. That excites me a lot. Um, gene editing is super exciting. Um, I had a, a you know, I was last week. It was it, it was a weird week last week. I had a, like a gene editing week. It felt like I went to a center for food and integ- center for food integrity meeting here in Minneapolis, and we talked about you know the future of gene editing and food and crops and. And, you know, the customer acceptance, the consumer acceptance, how that's starting to grow and people are starting to go, hey, wait a minute, you know, you can make a healthier vegetable with the right 
sort of characteristics that my body needs. Uh, I'm very interested in that. Um, so you versus the traditional GMO, which allowed us to you know, dramatically change the way farmers farm, use less pesticides, all those things, but the consumer never saw anything in it for them out of that, right? So, um, and then I had a call on Friday with a lady who's just started up in venture capital looking at, you know, she's like, still feels like there's a lot of white space to go out there to go start up a new company in the gene editing space, whether it's in vegetables or some of these smaller crops like alfalfa, like we deal in, um, you know, the big guys, the Bayers, Cortevas, Syngentas, BSFs, they've got, you know, the rice, corn, soybeans, wheat, they got that market covered. Anari, um, pairwise, there's lots of folks out there that are, you know, Cebus that are working in the gene editing front on the big crops. Um, and, and we're going to see, you know, the ability to produce higher oil soybeans or higher protein soybeans, higher protein uh crops that will you know better for feed better for human consumption all those things are going to be really interesting um for farmers and it's going to create a lot of choice for farmers that they haven't had before um and then you know then there's this whole regenerative ag movement right and this is maybe the most ambiguous ambiguous of the the bunch a lot of ambiguity here but you know, all of these companies, the Walmarts, the Nestle's, the Danone's, you know, are making pledges to Wall Street, making pledges to their stockholders, their shareholders, everyone that's, you know, around scope three reductions, right? And scope three for those companies and for the listeners, right, if they're not sure what that is, that's what, you know, farmers and companies like Legacy are their scope three, right? So we're further down the value chain from them. So they're trying to reduce the amount of carbon admitted, emitted and, and consumed at the scope three level. So, you know, if we can get farmers to grow triticale, for example, which is a cover crop throughout the winter or, or plant an alfalfa grass, make sure that sequesters carbon, you know, as a living root in the soil for three or four years, you know, what is the impact of that? And so then that helps those companies meet their scope three emission targets plus me, you know, theoretically today we're we're still early days on this, but reward the farmer for a ton of carbon sequestered, right? For twenty or twenty-five dollars a ton, you know, so that's like twenty-five bucks an acre for that farmer. Um, helps improve their profitability. Now, the the unanswered question still for me is: Okay, I'm going to go to, you know, Cub Foods here in the Twin Cities. Am I paying two dollars more for my veggies that were grown? more sustainably and regeneratively than, than not. I, I'm not there yet, but, you know, I want to be able to believe, you know, I'm probably in the, the category of an income earner that I can afford to do that. So will my wife and I start to make choices in the way we buy foods? You know, the research would indicate there's a group of people that are certainly ready to do that right now. Uh, so then that trickles down to the farmer, right? And so all of these things, you know, and, and it's, in, you know, and as, as everybody knows that's involved in agriculture, right? Like I always try to explain to these startups that we get like 40 shots on goal in a lifetime with a farmer, right? You know, 40 years of farming, 40 crops, you know, see, so they're not going to jump on a technology right away. Cause it's like, Hey, there's a lot at stake. They literally bet the farm every year. Right. You know, and it's, so how do we help them understand the impact of the choice they want to make how you know again if i come at it from the standpoint of improving profitability first and then productivity after that i think that helps the farmer understand that hey i can make more money per acre i can produce more per acre and that's a good thing for this growing population that we have globally and and for their own sustainability as a farmer right you know mm -hmm. sustainability of the soil doesn't matter to a farmer if they're going broke you know, it's like, you know, your house is on fire and it's like, you know, you got somebody telling you all about how like you're, you know, you, the siding that you want to put on it is better for the environment. Like it doesn't matter. My house is burning to the ground. Right. So, you know, if farmers going broke, it doesn't matter how much carbon's being sequestered in the soil. They don't care. Right. Yeah. So, so we're trying to help them navigate all these decisions, uh, be more profitable. The seed industry is such an emotional purchase for a farmer. Uh, as you well know, you've talked to these 
you know, and I, my buddies that sell fertilizer and stuff, I give them a hard time, like such an easy life, right? You know, selling fertilizer. And it certainly there's lots of obstacles there as well. But for whatever reason, over the years, seed has become this emotional purchase that you have to understand the farmer's farm ground. You have to understand all the things that are going on in their operation in order to make the best recommendation. And I think this gene editing piece that's coming is going to be really exciting, but it's going to be a hard for our people to help explain what we've got a lot of work ahead of us to help explain the benefits to the farmer and how it's going to impact their operation because it's such an emotional deal for them. Yeah. As, as you're talking about it, Colin, I'm, I'm thinking about uh, the, the good old Simon Sinek, uh, Simon Sinek video, the, you know, start with your why. Yeah. Right. Where, where he explains the, the law of, what is it? The law of diffusion of innovation. Yeah. Right. We're in the very beginning, you know, you've got your, your five to 7% of people or whatever, five to 10% that are the early adopters. He explains that these are the first people to go out and buy an iPhone. Right. And then, you know, the, 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 the curve kind of kicks up over time, more people adopt it as they see it, you know, now, you know, as, as it is today, 60% of people in America have an iPhone. If they have a phone, they have an iPhone and you still have some people that are using flip phones. Yep. I, I, we, yep. We, we legitimately had a client uh, who works for a co-op in Iowa uh, show up with, with a flip phone and no internet connection. So he can't come to his coaching calls. <laughs> 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 so, I mean, there are some people that will always be on the very back end of the, you know, or, or, or never adopt. Right. Yeah. <clears throat> uh, there's a viral video going around now about a guy who has opted out, not Amish, but living the Amish lifestyle, single guy, 45 years old, living in the woods, doing his own thing. Very happy. Uh, and this is going, you know, I've been seeing this. So there's going to be always people on the back end of it that just want to, you know, to not, not adopt. But, it, I, you know, I think, you know, you and I have talked a lot about, you know, this, this word ambiguity solving for that. How do we help people get clear, right? How do we help, you know, how do we help drive that innovation, with, uh, with clarity. So, you know, just kind of curious on your thoughts, if we had to tackle this as an industry from, um, you know, one or two or three angles, what, you know, what, what would you say, you know, and, and, and let me see this just a little bit further. I was in my interview with Kip Pendleton, we talked about, you know, how much data is out there. That's something that he, you know, is, um, is very passionate about. And he, you know, we talked about, um, how, how, for the most part, how unwilling companies are to share that data and work with each other. Okay. So I did, I, I literally just did that interview with him yesterday. And, and, you know, the sort of our, our, our conversation was like, we could actually go faster, right. If companies were willing to collaborate a little bit more, a little bit better and, and get together on some of the science and, and be able to advance market, you know, better or differently. Um, and, but we were very siloed and very competitive, right. In the end, yeah. in the, so uh, there, there's that aspect. And then um, I was listening to the All In podcast and there's some major innovation, uh, this LK99, LK99, which is, yeah. right? uh, which is uh, room temperature semiconductor. Supposedly somebody in Korea has solved for this, which would be, I mean, global, global, complete overhaul of our grids, complete overhaul of anything that uses electricity. Right, yeah. making us much more efficient and decreasing our potentially decreasing the need by two thirds or or more or ninety percent of the energy that it takes to make our energy. I mean, this is global, you know, changing, you know, life changing stuff. And so, what this person and we don't know yet. We don't know enough as to whether this is you know real. Is this 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 substance that they have created? Is it uh, is it really the you know that level of solution? But what they did is they published their paper. Yep. In a place where other scientists from all over the world, have, it's an open source platform where people have, they can, they can take what these guys did and try to recreate the experiment. And as I was listening to that, and I had just got done talking to Kip about what's going on in agribusiness, I thought, man, like, are we missing? Are we not being intentional enough as leaders to solve for the real problem? Are we so, are we so selfish that we're solving our business problems and defending our P&Ls? but not advancing the industry. Yeah. Right. And so I think there's, there's a lot of fuzzy stuff out there um, that, that potentially is preventing us from being able to, uh, to, to solve in a, in a better way. So how do we, how do we get more customers on the front end of that adoption curve? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> can we, can we do that well, together? 
Yeah, and and just you know, to continue to add to the LK99 and this open source bit, like I just you know, my sons and I just went to Oppenheimer three weeks ago, right? And watched this three-hour movie about like you know, granted open sourcing for the atomic bomb a little, yeah. <laughs> we can go down a hundred rabbit holes on that whole deal. But the reality is somebody, you know, on day one says, Hey, I figured out how to split an atom. And by the end of the day, everyone's like, well, this, this is obviously going to lead to weapon weaponization of that technology, but everybody around the world's working on it. Then Oppenheimer gets his groups in three different sites in the U S to all work independently and then kind of come together with their innovations and, and bring it all together at the end. And, you know, so it, it was sort of an early trial run of open sourcing back then too. And, and so I, for me, like, certainly I, I'm amazed why there isn't more open sourcing for lack of a better term, not to overuse the word, but in ag, uh, I think it, it's, certainly hasn't helped that our industry has become dominated by basically three companies or four companies, right. That have 80% of the market share that does not encourage a lot of sharing. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, pair, I, at this meeting I was at last week at the center of food integrity pairwise was there and they, they talked about how they've actually now just started publishing what they're doing and say, here's how we do it. If you think you can do this with a different crop or a different, you know, different application, Here's how we do it. Sort of, we're making this available, our technology available to the scientists around the world, the the food scientists, the the breeders, and so on, to go try to use their their CRISPR process to in other crops. Um, so that that was really encouraging to hear. I think the other the other piece again, I'm I'm going to come back to a little bit, you know, circle back to this point around the farmer. One of the things I find when when I go to when I was in the BC group at Syngenta and on the West Coast or East Coast, right? And you, you know, it's like, okay, have we talked to a farmer yet? Have we has anybody drove up and down I-80 and went to Kearney, Nebraska and North Platte and and you know, Algona, Iowa and all these spots along the way to talk to farmers and listen and learn about what what their problems are and how can we then solve, you know, as opposed to sitting in the room and going, they're generating all this data. How come nobody's using it? Those guys don't know what they're doing. They're slow. They're laggards. It's like, well, get off the computer and go talk to somebody and ask them what their problems are. And then together, let's try to approach the problems to be solved in a different manner. You know, there every year in, in March, there's this massive group people that get together out in San Francisco, World Agritech Conference, right? And it's this, it's the who's who of global VC and all the companies and the investors are there. And we would go there, right? And as the Syngenta corporate venture capital team and en masse. And the one year we brought in a, a guy from Basel who is our um, head of global digital technology, right? And so he was he was the guy that was trying to solve this problem. And he walks in and he's like, where are all the farmers? And it's like, you know, there's not one farmer in the entire crowd, right? There's 2,500 people standing around talking about what farmers want, but God forbid we'd actually invite a few into the room and have a discussion <laughs> with them and tell us what it is that we should be solving for, right? We're, we're just creating solutions, looking for problems and nobody's listening to what the actual problem is. And, and yeah. so I think there's, there's all sorts of, answers here but yeah hopefully you know hopefully we do adopt a little more back to the old school way of thinking right of you know that when when our great grandparents were farming they were it was all you know farming with others it was all working together to solve problems right and you know shoot my my dad farmed with a neighbor the whole time when i was growing up you know mm-hmm. he did chores for us when we were gone vice versa we you know shared the planter the combines you know got stuff done quicker you know just made it easier and more practical for two guys farming you know 1200 acres each yeah 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 that's uh well and you know colin i love how you bring it back to the farmer right i mean there is so much money billions of dollars going into ag tech and going into bio biologicals and going into research and seed tech and all these things and you know you're bringing it back to the you know the the very intentional question 
you know, that brings a lot of clarity to the conversation. This is, are we actually going and talking to farmers yeah. <laughs> and finding out, you know, what, yeah. what, what they need? Yeah. And, and like, it, it doesn't have to be arduous. It's just like, let's just ask and make sure we're on the right track here. And if we're not learn a little more about what might be needed and, but yeah, it's yeah. so frustrating sometimes. Yeah. Well, and, and I suppose you run the risk of a little like the old, the, the old Henry Ford quote, right. Was, yeah. you know, if I asked people what they wanted, they would have said faster horses. So, yeah, yeah. True, true. <laughs> right. Yeah, true. And I, in that conversation with, with the end customer, like we get to really understand their mindset. We get to really understand if you're doing it, if you're having that conversation intentionally, if you yeah. train your people to go out and actually ask good, deep discovery questions and have real conversations about what's really going on. And we don't just talk about the surface level stuff. Yeah, exactly. So, okay. So I, I, I'm going to start to bring this in for a landing a little bit, Colin. Um, we're, we're definitely over our 30 minute mark, but I want to, there's so much that I think you know about that you know, the, the, the innovation and where money is flowing and what the incentives are in the space that I wanted to uh, just have a conversation around that with you. That's a little bit different than everybody else that I talked to. Uh, so thanks for diving into that. And I know that we could, we could continue to pick that apart for another hour. I'm sure. Um, but regardless of the, of the innovation, we got to go build teams. We got to build companies. We've got, <laughs> exactly. Exactly. We've, um, we have, uh, we have challenges. And so, um, you know, there, there, undoubtedly right now there's a talent bubble, you know, in the ag industry. Have, have you seen this kind of thing over the course of your career at all? Uh, is this something that is going to get better <laughs> at some point where we're not constantly, you know, uh, to, in some ways it seems like maybe salaries are a little bit inflated. Uh, over over what they should be. I see a lot of people making lateral moves to make more money uh, as yeah. opposed to having to prove themselves. And so, you know, I think there's a potential detriment there. Just curious, what have, you know, have you seen anything like that? And then what, what do we, um, how, what, do we, what do we get to do to solve for this? Yeah, <laughs> I, it, this is, it, it certainly, um, yeah, I have not seen anything like this in, in my career. Um, mm-hmm. Now, granted, uh, I was, you know, for, I spent 25 years at Syngenta and you, you talked about there are no lifers anymore. I was damn near there. Right. Like I was, right. Right. <laughs> I was, it was much of a fixture. I always say I was like, you know, uh, uh, the, the guy that kept playing Spider-Man, right. Like I was sort of typecast to be a seeds guy at Syngenta for the rest of my life and, and broke out of that. But at, you know, when you're at Syngenta, you maybe don't feel it as much when you're at the big company, those, those talent bubbles, yeah, you lose somebody every now and then to a, a competitor that's really willing to pay a high price for that talent. But largely, you know, you're able to, you're, you're sort of the top of the pyramid, right? You can, you can do what, you're the apex predator. You can do sort of what you want out there. Um, but I'm being at Legacy and being at Legacy Air Partners and with all of our companies, I'm, there's no doubt, you know, good people are in high demand. Um, average people are in high demand it it is you you'll get people that are you know that hey i'm just going to go completely right turn out of the ag industry we, we get this out west in idaho right where where our our folks we got some tremendous people working out there that are just so good but like all of the, if you've read like half of california is moving to idaho it feels like and so they're building homes or built you know and they need project managers and construction guys truck drivers like jobs that are not nearly anything like what people are doing right now, but they're willing to pay so much money for people to do this work that it's all of a sudden you're having to, to have discussions that I've never had. It's like, okay, you know, I could, we, you could work for us and be part of our growing alfalfa business, or you could go be a project manager at construction firm. Like I, I can't even compare the two in my mind because I don't understand the other opportunity, right? If it, if right. it was like thinking about going to work for Bayer, I'd be able to say, well, that's a big company and you know, you're know you going to feel these things that aren't the same. So mm-hmm. I, we're still learning to deal with it. And I, I think the, the biggest thing, again, you know, back to people and back to, just helping remove some clarity or some ambiguity, create some clarity for folks on what their career at legacy looks like, where they can go succession planning. What do we have in mind for you? Um, 
is the best, probably some of the best things we can do. I can't, at the end of the day, if somebody's going to offer somebody that's making 60 grand as a sales rep, an offer of 110 plus, 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 like there's not much I can do, right? Uh, mm-hmm. You know, to, to hold on to that. And so then it's a matter of, you know, making sure that they know that the door is always open. You know, if they're good talent here, the, the door is always open to come back. There is such a thing as a career mulligan, right? Where you can, sure. you, can you can make a mistake and you can go join somebody, and all of a sudden, like two weeks later, like whoa, yeah. I made a really big mistake here, right? You know, this was nothing yeah. I thought it was. You know, so always keep that door open. Um, and you know, people believe in their leaders, right? People believe they they work for their bosses. They work less for their company now. So the manager training is really important. The managers. Under, knowing that they have uh, autonomy to do what they need to do, uh, again, with these spot awards for, for jobs yeah. well done, things like that are really important to us. And, and you know, hopefully make our message as clear as we can uh, to help retain talent. Like the, they go to bed at night knowing that, you know, Legacy Agri Partners is focused on rural America, focused on farmers, focused on farmer profitability and, and, you know, and we're a small company that that is trying to do really well in some some big niche markets like alfalfa and triticale and things like that. And, mm-hmm. and you know, if the if we do all those things right, then I don't I don't go to bed losing sleep if we lose a person to somebody else because I think we we know we've done all we can. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, we're going to make mistakes. Everybody does that. We're we're going to make a mistake here and there, and and we're gonna we're gonna not retain a a key person that we thought we didn't need to or whatever or we're we maybe get our messaging slightly wrong or got to revise it and you know we'll learn and and we you listen you learn we do our exit interviews and we take that feedback really seriously and 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 try to be better the next time as my kids always tell me be better dad so be better be better better. (laughs) (laughs) well i i I think what what I love about that is you're you're actually you know you're taking ownership of it right as a leader and I, I see a lot of leaders that don't I've I run across a lot of people that are just mad right yeah. that someone left that you know whatever you know and they're they're mad because the other company has more money or better benefits or they can offer something that you can't and 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 at the end of the day it's I, I do believe it's incumbent upon us uh, to uh, to really to come back to your word right not be, not be ambiguous about who we are and what we do. One of the things I like about Legacy Agri Partners is, you know, we're, we're you're not mincing words about what you're about. You're focused on the forage space. Yeah, yeah. 60, <laughs> right? 65% of what we sell goes through the belly of a cow. Exactly. Like, you know, yeah, and we're lying to ourselves if we think we're anything different. <laughs> right. So don't get mad if you got to go up against somebody that's, you know, selling, you know, that, that that's, you know, a straight, you know, just, uh, uh, you know, farming for, for bushels or farming for, you know, like ma- trying to maximize that. And then we're trying to maximize our feed resources here, you know, and that's, and that, that's what we're about. And, and, and I think just helping your people know, right. Hey, this is what we're about. Well, we're naturally going to attract people that maybe know a little bit more about the dairy industry that know a little bit of, you know, a little bit more about uh, things that are related to the needs of what our, you know, the, the end product is here and you, people that are more passionate about that. As opposed to somebody who's just there to do a job, right, or just yeah. there to sell something, and so um, you know, knowing what we're about, and then you you, you brought up something early on. I wanted to come back and touch base on before we shut this thing down, uh, which is giving your 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 leaders, your your mid level leaders, um, the power uh, to to reward people effectively in the moment or in real time. This yeah. is what I think is big. Yeah. Yeah. No, I I agree, and I think. Uh... You know, one of the things, you know, when you come from a big company like Syngenta, right, you're locked into this sort of twice a year performance review. And in January, we'll talk about, you know, here's your two and a half percent or three and a half percent pay increase. And then on April 15th, that pay increase takes place. And, you know, it's just this tried and true schedule of events that when you've been there 25 years, you just sort of like you're just robotic about it. It's not good or bad. It's just how it is there. Mm-hmm. And we don't have to follow those rules, right? Like we, you know, if if Brett McCorkle calls me up and says, hey, you know, so-and-so is doing a great job and I want to bump their salary 5,000 right now, this next pay period for the rest of the, you know, till 
the end until the next increase comes, he's got the power to do that. Mm-hmm. Now, you know, we can't just, we got to make sure we're, we're, we're also, we're not running a nonprofit here, but at the same time, mm-hmm. if it's the right thing to do, the right person, and we've all agreed, this is the right talent and we want to retain them and reward them for job well done. You don't have to wait till April to do this. Like we can, we can do it in the middle of February or the middle of October, right? It doesn't matter. Just mm-hmm. whenever you so I think we're getting better at those things. And, and then the reward system, just, you know, uh, we, I, 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 I like telling this story because it's, it's something that is, you know, so our research farm for a couple of years in Wapaka was, was a good plate. We were getting a lot done there, um, but it was starting to get a little ragged on the edges, right? The weeds are coming in a little bit. The alleyways weren't being kept as nicely and things like that. And, you know, we hired a new, agronomy director for Wisconsin and he runs the research farm for us as well. And, and Mike does a hell of a job cleaning this thing up, right. And getting it looking. So like you would take anybody there without any qualms at all, right. Like you could walk, you know, the secretary of ag bill sack right through that site and you'd feel so proud of everything out there. Right. And so, you know, we, we wanted to reward him for it. Right. Like you're we're out there in July last year and you're walking through. And it's like, holy crap, this is so much different and better than it was a year ago. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, next paycheck, let's give you your your reward. Right. And it's mm-hmm. this is, you know, and I think that helps that employee realize like, the work isn't in vain. People notice it. You know, thank you cards are great, too. But every now and then, like a monetary gift is a, a nice thing to do. Right. So, yeah. Yep, and it's absolutely. The right thing to do. Well, and it, 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 I, I don't want to crack this can too far open, and, and the, because this could lead us into a whole another hour long conversation. <laughs> but as you look at the next generation, you know, your and really, it's not even next; it's the current, and then the one coming after them. You're 35 and unders for the most part in the workplace have grown up in a world where there is immediate gratification and immediate reward and immediate praise. And, you know, moms and dads have been at just about every baseball game and choir concert and hockey game and football game and uh, golf meet and whatever, you know, dance recital or whatever you, that you've you know been involved with uh, every livestock show, every, you know, FFA convention, you know, have been there supporting their children and there's been immediate reward and a Facebook post about how good their kid is doing. Yeah. Exactly. Right. And so uh, in a world we have to be intentional as leaders going forward to be able to solve for recognition yes and you know from a monetary perspective also from just a pure recognition standpoint um you know you you may not like it but this is the reality of the world you're going into these people have had the the connection and the likes and the views and the attention their entire life and so now as the employer you get to figure out how to solve for this and we're going to die I want to dive deeper and, and, you know, whether with you, Colin, with others over time about that, uh, that's a big challenge that we get to solve for. But oh, it's, uh, yeah, uh, it's exciting. I, I love the, I, the the new generation of workers. You got to embrace it. Um, you know, we were we were young one time, too. Right. And mm-hmm. the, the, I'm sure my boss's boss looked at me and like, what the hell is Steam doing today? Like, yeah, you know, <laughs> well, every every generation is. Exactly. Every yeah, right. Every generation is is worse than the one before, according to the one before, right? Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah here we are. We're still going. We're still living. We're still working. And um, yeah, yeah. Okay. Couple of quick things. Really quick speed round, Colin. Uh, what book should people be listening to or reading right now? Listening in their Audible or or sitting down and reading. Um, you know, the, I, I've, the one I've liked, I've quoted this one a few times, people around me, I, I've always liked this book called Good Business by Bill, Bill Novelli. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it, it, it basically gives you as the reader sort of permission to say, hey, it's okay to make money while doing the right thing, right? So I talk about this with regards to regenerative ag to our employees, like, it's okay for us to talk about regenerative ag and make some money doing it. Like, it's not... We have we're not we don't have to turn into the Sierra Fund here. We can we can make some money while helping farmers do the right thing. So mm-hmm. uh, good business is a good book that way. You know he he did a lot of work on childhood anti smoking campaigns and AARP and things like that, and made a lot of money doing it working for these ad agencies. So mm-hmm. 
Good. Uh, how do you keep your energy up? Uh, great question. Um, I get, I, I, I get up every morning pretty early to, to work out. Um, I either go to orange theory fitness or ride my bike or ride the Peloton. So I try to work out six or seven days a week. Uh, and most of it before 7am, just, I find that start to the day is really, really important. Um, Mm -hmm. and I work really hard at trying to get enough sleep. So when you get up early, then you got to go to bed early. Um, and so it's, uh, that's getting my sleep, getting my workouts in and, and then, you know, um, obviously I get a lot of energy just from my being around my family after, you know, this work-life balance piece gives, gives you energy as well. Right. So if I can spend time with my wife and my kids and have a nice dinner together, that's awesome. Get a lot of energy from that. Yeah. And I know you're someone who does a great job of, you know, blocking time and making sure that you're making time for that. So um, last question is any, any tips for that maximum productivity? How do you, how do you keep that balance? Yeah. uh, You know, I, I, listening is the main thing. Like uh, you and I have talked, I can, we all know it, right? So you got to just listen to that voice in your back of your head. That's telling you like, man, things are fraying a little bit here, whether at work or at home, you know, and, and I find like if I can keep the balance at home in good shape, then it, it gives me the opportunity to say, you know, hey, I got to work all weekend. Like I've got a big presentation to the board on Tuesday. I got to like I got to spend six hours Saturday and six hours Sunday working on this. Mm-hmm. I don't feel guilty about that because I've put enough coins in the bank earlier in the week or the month or wherever uh, to be important, but it, I, I find I really got to pay attention to that voice in the back of my head that says, Hey, Colin, like, uh, things are fraying a little bit every time you and your wife are talking right now. And so maybe just maybe you guys should go for dinner tonight without the kids, (laughs) you know, and it's, you know, if I find, if I can do that then, as opposed to, you know, the argument over like how I just don't understand at home makes, you know, if I can get it before we get to that point, right. To the boiling point when things have completely frayed, uh, which we all have been there and, and we'll be there again in our lives. But I'm trying really hard to listen to the voices that tell me that uh, to, to be a little more intentional at home. Very good. Awesome. Well, Colin, this has been a great, uh, great interview and uh, such a wealth of knowledge and information and wisdom shared. So thanks for, thanks for being on today. Thanks, Mark. Appreciate it. As always, good talking to you. You got it. I hope today's episode brought you a great deal of value about what it takes to lead life and lead in this industry with intention. If you want to go deeper on the topic of leading with intention, I encourage you to head on over to intentionaltoolbox.com and get the seven free tools that will help you to lead your life in all areas with a greater deal of intention. That's intentionaltoolbox.com. And finally, if if this message resonated today, if there's something in here that you got value from, I promise you there's someone else in your life who also would get value from this. So please share the episode, share the podcast, and make sure that you subscribe.